All right. Well, we are back again. We took a little bit of a hiatus. We had, uh, I think, first it was COVID, right? Spencer went through your family. I didn't family. have COVID. I just but had allergies that kind of made me really tired and had a fever and a headache. And Yeah. I got a little sick. We've we've kind of been out out of commission here for the last few weeks, but we're back again, so we're excited to be talking about the Great Commission. Um, And I think especially today, we've we've kind of Christian, you had that time in which you walked through the kind of the grander reality of 16 through 18. Kind of took us a little journey back in through Matthew 28 to set the stage for what we're going to talk about. Uh, you then dove in, and we talked about just how central that reality is of Jesus Christ is is declaring of all authority mm-hmm. in heaven and earth has been given to him, right? And then his then call to in light of that, and I talked about this this idea of of making disciples, in yeah. that we we can't lose sight of who Jesus claimed to be and who mm-hmm. he truly is. But then off of this, this this reality to now go and and make these disciples, and I kind of tried to weave Bob through different aspects of it to get the idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then took us on a journey through that whole idea of going mm-hmm. that that kind of unique participle yeah. that was off at the front of it that that explains it. But today, and this is why I'm excited, we're going to be talking through the two other participles. We promised there would be three participles, but around baptizing and teaching, and we're going to keep them together for a really important reason. Maybe walk us through just in a brief way. Like, why is it so important that we, number one, these two participles, but number two, like, why do we, why do we need to keep them together to really get the thrust of what Jesus was, was talking about in the great commission? Yeah, cool. I, I mean, again, like we talked about with the idea of going, the fact that the, the, the participle go comes before the command to make disciples. And we talked about that one really a second about like this, the setting and the scope. It's this Go do now, and as you go, make disciples and keep going to all nations. There's a global scope to it, right? But then these two that come after the command to make disciples of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to keep all that I've commanded you, coming after it, they really give us the means, the how-to. How were disciples made? Well, by being baptized and then by learning together with others how to keep everything that Jesus has commanded. So this, this is the one that, like— really gets into like the, the essential ingredients of discipleship. Um, baptism kind of is that initial way of identifying with Jesus. But then I love the way that Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12, that it's not only identifying with Jesus, but being baptized into one body together, baptized into this now family of people. Um, and then the teaching that is not just cognitive information, gaining that, though that's a huge part of it, but the putting it into practice, the passing it on to others, this is the way that not just disciples are initially made, but how disciples continue to be discipled. Um, and again, going back to what we saw back in like verse 16, it's the disciples that Jesus gives this commission to. So this is where we connect those two ideas that to be a disciple is to be engaged in making disciples. Yeah. And any discipleship activity that we're engaged in, we do as those who are also learners, followers, apprentices with Jesus. Yeah, yeah I think it matters like I, I love this conversation because I think this matters, especially for the church 21st century, mm-hmm. because it really does, to your point, Christian, get to this idea of going, man, how do we make disciples? <coughs> and it's it's not just about getting people saved, mm-hmm. but there actually is, which I think kind of coming out of the church of the 70s, 80s, 90s. Early the, 2000s. Yeah, early, early aughts. Is oh, that what they say? Man, I think yeah, so. You know, um, but yeah, going, no, 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 like actually teaching people 
what it looks like to be a kingdom citizen, yeah. like actually following what King Jesus said. Like, that's something that's been woefully deficient in my life and I think in the life of of a lot of the churches that I interact with. And so, I mean, I just think, I think it matters because it's something that we're deficient with. Yeah, I think like to piggyback off of both of you, you we have a purpose statement, right? That our whole goal is to give people an accurate picture of God by helping those who believe become fully devoted followers of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Like the the means by which we're going to give that accurate picture of God of of playing out our image-bearing status of displaying Jesus well is through being these fully devoted followers. But in this, in a very cool way, Jesus is explaining what a fully devoted follower looks like. They actually obey and do everything I command. Yeah, Yeah, there's actually this. And I think like that was so crucial how many ever years ago it was that this kind of all started to dawn on me that, yeah, we do want people to embrace the king. Mm-hmm. But I think how terrible it's been that we haven't then helped people to walk in light of the king and his kingdom. Well, the other or thing there, I think that, sorry, I don't mean to talk over you, but I'm going to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I defer to my elder. Yeah. Elder than me. That's right. Um, <laughs> the idea that I appreciate what you just said, I'm going, it's not just data transfer, which I also think is something that we've been, we've been kind of deficient with in, in the churches of going that if we have the right amount of information, if we just have more information, but it's, it's going, no, 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 it's like in Western culture, we've actually separated knowing and doing into two different things. And we, and we kind of are dichotomous in this way, you know, we have kind of, we've split it into two sections where in reality, it's a unified thing of going, you don't really know something fully until you practice it. And, um, and even, I think there's that experiential component that is that intangible work of God in in the will inside of us, right? That you you put those two together and what a total human is. And I agree with you. Jesus wasn't just seeking to create intellectual followers. He was seeking to create fully developed humans that that the gospel, the kingdom had impacted every facet of their life. But if we think about even us in this context here, we teach a lot. And I would say, I mean, if we're kind of, kind of the, do, do we pass the red face test when we're teaching, do we teach and just transfer information? Or are we actually trying to, you know what I mean? And go, and I think, yeah. I think it's easy to default into like, Hey, no more mm-hmm. instead of actually. Well, I think no. those venues, like whether you're preaching or teaching in a classroom, they're not exactly the most conducive to modeling. Right. I mean, I think you can hit mm-hmm. certain aspects yeah. of what it means to be a human very well, but it shows you that man, what Jesus was calling to them to was was bigger. Yes. It was in all of life. And I thought you really did draw that out on your teaching mm. when you were talking through that, just this hall of life thing. Okay, so yeah. that's why this is just so important. We wanna we wanna see fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. These disciples that truly are as they follow Jesus, right? They they are learning from Jesus, trusting Jesus. They are they're coming to that point where they're becoming like Jesus. Mm. But then even too like this fully devoted follower, they're not a fully devoted follower until they're helping others to yes. do the same. So anyways, well, that's what we're going to touch on today. And we're going to dive into those, those two participles uh, just a little bit more. So that's that's where we'll go next. All right. So we, we, had, we had our two weeks. Um, we had your more serious week in regard to... Uh, just looking at teaching, we had my colorful T-shirts. Yeah, lots Ooh, of, yes, lots was, of bright colors. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We had was doing laundry on stage. <laughs> yeah, we were very. I was very proud of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, see what you did there. <laughs> I, I think like one of the things that though really hit me when because I do think Leighton within that term baptize, 
was an explanation coming into it. Like I, I don't like I think in a lot of ways Matthew had already given you a lot of clues about what what baptism kind of entailed. No doubt Jesus had an initiating right that he was looking differently at it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of where I was working in and through in and through that text was is that it, it really did have a developmental kind of reality that they would have had an idea of what it meant. Coming into it, so you know, we had this idea of, of living for Jesus, trusting Jesus. So we had we had all those different things that I built into it. But to be super clear, it's it really was, and this is where I'd love to talk. We were kind of talking through this on the break. It, it's this, it's the initiating of, in a lot of ways, this that that covenant between us and God. That 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 thing that wasn't seen, that that invisible reality that happens when faith interacts and we're regenerated and made into these new followers of Jesus but now through that baptism we're 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 doing the visible part out in in front and so anyways let's let's kind of start it off kind of talking about this 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 idea of it being an initiating reality well I think it's are. important to remember that we in the 21st century struggle to wrap our head around what baptism is because we don't have a cultural equivalent like we don't mm-hmm. baptize into but 2000 years ago in the ancient near east baptism was a a normative way for people to be identified with a particular group yeah or movement you might say yeah. there and were so certain th- religious groups there were groups or even just thought yeah, yeah going yeah and so so that that the 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 audience of Matthew actually would have understood the emphasis on baptism. The people who were walking with Jesus understood the significance of baptism, where I think we struggle with that 2,000 years ago. So I think it's important to remember that, okay, it's not just what we think baptism is, but it's also going back and going, okay, in that, you know, second temple period, you know, 2,000 years ago, baptism would have been understood to be the way by which you now inaugurate or start um this new identity within yeah. a new group mm-hmm. and, it, and there were and there were multiple kinds of baptisms right but but this is being baptized into jesus mm-hmm. yeah there's no doubt like he's they're drawing from proselytizing right the idea of exiting my people group and becoming jewish that seems to be that's the way in which matthew's taking it john the baptist seems yeah. to be taking it in which you really are re-identifying yourself with a group of people. In the case of John, he was calling them to exit out from amongst that group of Jewish people and prepare themselves for the king that was coming, repent for the kingdom of heaven at yes, hand, right? Like yes. you're you're exiting out from one group and this baptism is a sign. And even there's some yep. beautiful realities, I think, mm-hmm. about the Jordan. Absolutely. Going into the Jordan and coming out the other side that would have been almost that re-inauguration of not the old covenant any longer, but a longing for the coming of the new covenant. But I, I do think like it's not very often that we teach baptism in and around a transition of identity. Yes. Right. I, I, I'm no longer in one thing. I'm now in this, I'm identified in a new way. I don't have this king anymore. I've got my new king. That's I, right. right. All those different things that are associated with it. Oftentimes it's just a right that we go through within Christianity, something you ought to do. Yeah. And it's lost like that idea of, of exiting one and becoming a part of this right. new, which Jesus really, there seems to be no doubt he's initiating. Well, if baptism isn't the, the symbolism that we have for an identity change or even like, I guess you could say a regime change that's going on in your life, are there cultural symbols or ceremonies that we have that do do that? Hmm. You know I mean? Like, is there something like if, if baptism doesn't make sense to us, do we see it in other ways? Like, 
I guess I could think, you know, like law enforcement officers getting sworn in. They've gone through this whole preparation period and they, they raise their right hand, they're sworn in, they receive their badge and and now there's a new yeah. identity. An officer about, of the right? law. Like, yeah, maybe maybe a pinning ceremony for nurses. Um, maybe a quinceanera. You know, mm-hmm. you went from childhood to now you're yeah. a woman, you know. Uh, but is what fascinating yeah, here. Yeah, maybe. This is, I'm just this is to, a complete reordering of identity. Yeah, yeah, it's not just a segment of life. It's a... This is all yeah, of life. Exactly. It's a totality of it, <laughs> yeah. not just a profession yeah. or an age or something like that. But I was just thinking if there's something that that's easier for people to grab onto of going, okay, I get it. Yeah. And typically in all those things we mentioned, whether pinning ceremonies, being sworn in, quinceanera, you're not doing that hidden off in a closet somewhere. Right. There's a sense in which let's bring those around who see this doing it, doing it in some sort of a public way to witness to the identity yeah. changes taking place. Yeah, maybe How much might, more? In, yeah. In I have a friend of mine who's becoming a citizen of a, of a, of a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And so- after he passed all the tests and the language requirements and, um, you know, he's now a member of the European Union. Well, it's like, oh, that, that was a very public display. Yeah. But again, it's a shifting of his national identity, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, yeah, some way you may be allegiance, but yeah. But I can't think of anything that is as comprehensive as True. what King Jesus is yeah. saying, because he doesn't want just part of our life. Yeah, he, he wants, wants the totality Absolutely. of it. Yeah. But yeah, going back to what we were saying of going and baptism really is a shifting of our identity and our our allegiance mm-hmm. to a new thing, a new group, a new king. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, hey, all authority has been given to me. Here's how you make disciples. Now go teach them about this. But I think this is where, not to separate baptizing from teaching, <coughs> but actually going, one of the first things we need to teach is the significance of like the totality of this identity happening, Here, right? You I'm just like, did, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I even I mean. think that then it, but it moves into where, where I wanted, I did want to shift this conversation, which is then sometimes people feel, well, I need to get it all together. I have to have all of my allegiances tied up and put together before I get baptized. And yet that misses the point of baptism because baptism was never intended to be for people who have tied up all these allegiances that have it all together. It's actually for people just acknowledging I don't, and I long to have that. Yes. And so therefore now it is so much more of a longing than it is actually a rival. It is the, yes. it is the beginning of saying, I want to see him have lordship over all these areas of my life. I don't currently, right. but I want, to, I want to initiate myself into this saying, I long for that. Yes. You guys want to speak to that the, a little the bit The trajectory more? of my life yes. is shifting yes, towards King Jesus and towards being a kingdom citizen. I don't know fully yet what that means. Yeah, because I don't even know. I still don't know what that yeah. means. You know, I got. I, 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 but I, got, I mean, that's yeah. where it's. You know, I think about one of the biggest like ceremonial things that that we do in our culture that most human cultures do is wedding ceremonies, right? Like, and being a pastor, I've officiated a number of them, and like even every once in a while, in the middle of a wedding ceremony, I'm thinking like, when. When do they become husband and wife? Like, when I say so. Exactly, right? There is a sense, okay, by the authority committed to me as a minister I of the gospel, you. I pronounce you this, right? Like, I can't put my finger on when the one flesh thing happens, but I do know once I say it, it's That's it's power. a reality, right? <laughs> right? But, but I think that there's something like, thinking through that, like sometimes I feel like when you walk with couples through, through premarital, you can put way too much pressure on yourself and on that couple. So you need to experience there's certain things you don't want them to experience until they get married. But then there's other things where it's like, you need to figure this out beforehand. So much more of like premarital counseling is just to say, 
hey, here are the things that are on this pathway. This is what you will encounter on this journey. Be aware of it. It's like sitting down with the the trail map before you start a big, long hike to the top of a mountain saying, here's what's going to come. Be aware of it. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you have to know that's where you're going. Because right? I always tell when I'm working through premarital, you don't have the boxes yet to work this out. Yeah. Now you have ideas and you have thoughts. And I think in many ways, right, like even as we're looking at somebody with baptism, there's the longing to do it. And I think sometimes we then, we complicate it by, yeah, but do you have this together and that together and everything else together? Well, of course they don't have it together. Yeah. That's that's the whole point. They're, they're acknowledging by faith that they don't have it all together. But I, I don't think we've even communicated, but then it's it's in that baptism, it's the longing to see made real. Yeah. Those realities within our life, that allegiance shift, the the good lordship of Jesus coming to bear in those facets of my life along, not just individually, but with these other people in this mission. And so yeah. it's it, it really is like shifting people's mentality on what, what's going on there. And I think that's one of the things I love about even just the practice of baptism we do at Cornerstone of doing it as a part of our Sunday services. Every time someone gets baptized at our church, there is this moment where I sit there and I watch and I go... I remember not being in that particular tank on our stage. Yeah. I, didn't get, I didn't get baptized at this church, but like, I remember that moment. I think of the way the Lord has led me, the way he's guided me, the way he's put people in my life. And it's like, it, it is such a cool chance to reflect now and go, not that I needed to know all that experientially then, but yes, that was a trajectory, like uh, like identity trajectory defining moment that has continued to bear out in my life. And I think that's what's so cool is like to not feel like we have to have it all figured out because what comes after baptism? Well, teaching what it means. Yeah, so let's transition that, right? Yeah. Because, okay, this one is this initiating reality, this longing. And now it's this seeing it be made real, which again, I think this is so important on what we talked about earlier in that we've made so much of faith about just, you know, avoidance of hell or, mm -hmm. or, or maybe, you know, getting to go to heaven or, you know, again, those are wonderful realities. But really, Jesus was, he had a whole bigger plan here than just the avoidance of hell or the yeah. going, to, going to heaven, you know, in our concept. Maybe you guys want to speak to that a little bit more as far as when we talk about teaching. Well, I think to use the imagery that Christian just did maybe, you know, three or four minutes ago of saying, like, actually, if we're trying to make disciples, actually giving them a roadmap <coughs> of what Jesus has called us to and saying, hey, you know what? Um, hey, letting people know, hey, Jesus doesn't want just part of your life. He wants all of it. Yes. And he and he doesn't want just, you know, um, things here and there. He wants all of it all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, also, you're going to fail. So let's fail forward. Mm -hmm. Let's repent quickly. That's so let's, let's not do this on our own. And so actually just walking people through that. And at some point along the way, if they give their allegiance to King Jesus, great, let's get them baptized and then keep teaching them yeah. that, hey, Jesus wants all of your life, all the time, you're going to fail, fail forward. Jesus redeems that. And, you know, Jesus redeems me too. And so, I mean, I just think we start teaching and we, and at some point when someone's allegiance shifts, okay, let's get them baptized so that they're right. So everyone knows their identity is shifted, but we keep teaching them. Yes. And we keep learning because people are teaching us. And then we, we just. Which I yeah. think that plays into, which is so beautiful, right? It becomes a lifelong endeavor. hundred yeah. percent. Right. That the, 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 the seeing the good Lordship of Jesus come to bear in every facet of my life, learning to keep right. All he's commanded is not a one year endeavor of arrival. It is a lifetime of, of growing and learning. And, and I would even say this as I help others grow and learn right now, as I make right. disciples, 
I learn differently than when yeah. when I'm being made as a disciple, I guess it would be. Yeah, it's funny to think, if we want to obey all that Jesus commanded, it's impossible to do that if we have our lives figured out. Because one of the things he calls us to is to repent. <laughs> so if we wait till we've got our lives all figured out, we can't actually obey the repenting yeah. part. Or the and confessing to, and of sin part, right? you know, and it's like it's like yeah, you, you, it's sort of, if if you're out there and you're <laughs> waiting to actually have arrived in order to get baptized, you're 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 fundamentally missing what Jesus actually has called us to. Yeah. So okay, so let's throw that into because one of the things you took us back to is the Shema, yeah. Deuteronomy six, which mm-hmm. I thought that was a great place to to go, in which the the call of learning the old covenant was in all facets of life, right? Yeah. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, as you're going here and going there teach this in regard to how we do life. Maybe could you bring that into the new covenant, just some more discussion through that, where this teaching, this keeping that's going on really is the, in all facets of life, not just Sunday morning from nine to 1030. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things when I was preaching on this, talked about when I moved from just, because I broke down that idea of teaching and to to keep everything that Jesus commanded into kind of three main things. I talked about how, at least in the ESV, it's translated to observe. Pay attention to, right? I think this is that place where we do want to be stu- people of the book. We want to be students of God's word. We want to pay attention to all that Jesus had said. But just being able to regurgitate the fact <coughs> is not it. Like, I think that's one of the things. In the very first chapter of Matthew's gospel, you have the Magi who come to worship Jesus because the, the, the king of the Jews, it's been born. And they go to Jerusalem asking Herod where, and Herod doesn't know. So he calls the scribes and the chief priests and such. They have the exact right information. They rattle it off. They win the Bible trivia game in that moment and say, of course he's born in Bethlehem. And they never go and worship. They never do anything. In with fact, it, right? when you when you're if when you come back, could you tell us so we can kill it? Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the opposite of worship, right? And that's I mean, I mean, Jesus says it best at the end of the the, um, the Sermon on the Mount when he says, "Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the wise man who builds his house on the rock." You know. Versus- so maybe let's 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 because I want to save some of that for our discussion in, okay. when we get into like when we when we lens in our life because I I think yeah. this is important, but. Why maybe maybe just biblically thinking through Matthew the New Testament yeah like for for you guys why is this so important that we're, we're not saying we're against growing intellectually in our understanding we're not we're not saying that we're just saying that there's more here mm-hmm. that to truly be a disciple of Jesus it needs to be part of a, all of our life right all of our actions our longings our desires like it needs to become permeated in who we are why is that so important to this call of Jesus and the great commission beyond just an intellectual exercise and the transference of information but man learning to bring it to bear in all facets of life why why are we making that argument there's a lot. That's a, that's a really open-ended question. Um, I would, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm going to cede the uh, yeah, voice to you. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, the, the place I go back to is Luke 640. You know, no disciples above his teacher, but every disciple when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. Um, not just in terms of our moral character or purity or something like that, but in the totality of our conduct, Jesus is our model. Which means... Though in the Great Commission, he says to teach them to observe and keep and pass on all that I've commanded you. It's it's not only referring to when Jesus uses the imperative mode there, when he yeah. gives commands. Like, as our teacher, he was always teaching. I think John 13 is one of the most powerful examples. When he just gets up, no explanation, starts washing the guy's feet, gets through all of it and goes, hey, do you recognize what I was doing? That wasn't just 
Jesus having a crazy idea and doing it before dinner, like in the middle of dinner. I was setting you an example so that you should follow in my steps. The mark of my disciples is the servant-hearted love for one another. I'm teaching through that, right? So that's why I think that you see the way that all of Jesus's life, his day-to-day, as he sat down, as he stood up, as he walked by the way, as he sat and whatever, whoever he was staying with at the time, all of it was instructive. All of it was exemplary for those who would follow after him. That that's, I think, where it's like this, this has to permeate all of life because this is not just information transfer. It's not just regurgitating for Bible trivia. This is the manner of our life, the way that John says it in First John, whoever says, I know him should walk in the same manner that he walked. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's take a second now. Let's, let's land this a little bit more personally uh, into our lives. All right. So one of the things we talked about in between were kind of the obstacles to baptism. I know you kind of brought up an issue of like obstacles maybe around like just infant baptism, which we can talk about that one here in just a little bit. Um, I think for those of us that grew up maybe in and around the church, I was around the church. And so, you know, why am I waiting till I'm 20, whatever, you know? So there was this weird kind of almost maybe, uh, maybe embarrassment that it had taken me so long to do some of those things. Um, We see it, the public reality of it. But maybe just if we could speak to it, maybe if you don't mind speaking to maybe the infant baptism aspect yeah. of your own personal life, because I do think we have a lot of people that have been baptized as infants. And mm-hmm. obviously within our doctrinal statement, we see a place for infant baptism, you know, yeah. that, that we're not saying that that's not part of church history and a, mm-hmm. a, a person that's been baptized as an infant is a legitimate follower of Jesus. But maybe... It's the dominant view throughout much of It really is. I mean, yeah. for most of history until... Baltazar Hubmeyer breaks onto the scene. But, um, <laughs> gotta love the Anabaptists. You gotta love the Anabaptists. But yeah, maybe, maybe speak to just maybe that a little bit in your own personal life. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, for, for me personally, my um, my family background on both my mom and dad's side is in the Lutheran church, just coming over from Germany between the wars. My, my great-grandfather on my dad's side was a German-speaking Lutheran pastor Ooh. in like Linwood, California. Like some kind of not such a good town anymore, but like was just a little suburb at that time. And I, I have a lot of his, I've inherited a lot of his books, you know, which is pretty dang cool. So like those roots go kind of go far back. And so I knew growing up that I had been baptized as an infant in the Lutheran church in the Valley. Um, but I also was being raised in a church that practiced believers baptism out in Moore Park. And so what I saw was people making a, a profession of faith in Jesus and being baptized to show that change from old life to new life in Jesus. And yet also knew that like, in some ways that had already been done in my life kind of to me, not not me choosing to do it. Um, and then I just didn't know what to make sense of that. Okay, it doesn't mean I still should or I shouldn't. And so I just kind of rustled, but not always rustled, kind of just kicked the can down the road. Oh, I'll figure it out later, you know? I remember I got I was a, I went to a Christian school um, and in you know Bible class we're learning about baptism and different views on baptism and I'm, I took it more personally because I was like okay I kind of fit on both of these these mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. okay I still don't know which way's up on it I'll just wait till later you know um, but I think it was the more that I at least my my convictions began to grow that like baptism is this this sign of the new covenant is is a sign of someone saying yes i am i am leaving my old life and allegiances behind and i'm pledging allegiance to jesus through this and recognizing that for me as an infant i i hadn't done that again that had been said by my parents for me and their intention to raise me in that regard but um 
and and I have the utmost respect for those who truly hold like a like a biblical conviction, conviction for that. And I think we've we've made room for that even in membership at Cornerstone. That if you have a biblical conviction for infant baptism, awesome, let's talk through it, and we'd we'd be happy to have you. If it, if it is more of just a, uh, like maybe like where I was, oh well, that happened when I was a baby, so I don't have to do it anymore. No, no, no. Like we want to encourage you to th to think through that more. And so for me, it was kind of at the age of 19 after I already had like one year of Bible college under my belt and was already thinking I wanted to go into ministry. And it was like, oh, I should probably <laughs> do this first step of obedience. That's funny. Um, and so it was kind of fun there at, at, at 19 years old to kind of go, no, I, I, I've I, been following Jesus for quite a while now. I came to the Lord as a young age at like seven. And there was something kind of cool and like humbling for me to go, Hey, now 12 years down the road, I'm doing what should have been one of the first steps. But you know what? Jesus is my king, and he says to do it. And so even if I might feel a weird sort of, oh, I probably should have done this years ago, no, I don't want to stand in front of me now. Let me do this as a way to to clearly identify myself in my with my own words in the church family that I was a part of. This is this is the reality of my life. Um and let's go. So that's that's funny. I didn't realize that about your story. I really similar. I was uh, baptized in the Lutheran Church as an infant. Really, I didn't super know that like big barrier for me. A good like, German family. <laughs> good German family. Yeah, you know. Um, but same thing. I'm going. So all through high school, I was wrestling through. Man, have I been baptized? Have I, I mean, I was baptized as an infant, and my mom and dad weren't followers of Jesus when I was through high school. And and really, what it was for me was because um, I was in that wrestle and. It was getting to, what is it, Acts 19, where Paul goes and he sees those who are baptized into John. And he yeah, goes, hey, do you, guys, do you guys have the Holy Spirit? And they go, no, we've been baptized into, you know, into John's baptism. And, and he goes, well, hey, John baptized in um, a baptism of repentance, but we want to baptize you into the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so they get baptized into, into the name of Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit and now they're like in. Yeah. But it wasn't like he demeaned what they were a part of before. Exactly. And so all of a sudden this like light bulb went on for me and I was like, oh, there's precedent for people being baptized multiple times mm -hmm. who were still part of the people of God. And for me, that was a huge thing. And I was like, oh, one doesn't supersede the other, yeah. but being baptized into like King Jesus matters. Yeah. And it doesn't negate the other. Yeah. And it's fun. I've like I, I feel like over the years, even recently, as we've been talking about bats, I've had a conversation with people where they go, "Yeah, I kind of got baptized because it was a thing to do, and I saw that the cute girls at youth group would give you a hug afterwards, so I got baptized at youth camp or something like that, you know." But now I know what it means to follow Jesus. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go dunk you again. Let's go baptize you again because like you did the the sign, but the the substance of it wasn't there. Other people it was like, "No, I." I got baptized, I think to the, the degree that I understood who Jesus was, I wanted to follow him. But yeah, maybe it was five or six years later that it was almost like, boom, like something kicked into gear. And now like the, I really began to grow by leaps and bounds in my, in my walk with Jesus. Therefore, do I need to get baptized? And it's like, well, again, maybe not in that. It's just, you, you hit a growth spurt, you know what I mean? Like there, there was a true trajectory Yeah, and even set. sometimes like I, I found a lot of people after they get baptized, the church they're a part of doesn't now look at them and say... Hey, that was a mm. phenomenal public profession of your desire. Well, now it's time. Yeah. Now, now let's 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 take the, our life and let's start to bring the good lordship of Jesus to yeah. bear. Because there's I, a gap between the, a, the baptism and the teaching. Wow. I think especially amongst like those maybe kind of you know early to late teen, 
where mm-hmm. we kind of put them in this awkward phase of life where they don't have, they're not at the adult table yet or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's too bad that we've we've kind of relegated those that are adolescents and said, oh well, you know, you we'll, we'll figure you kind of out later, mm-hmm. because in a weird way that hasn't been the pro- the proclamation of baptism is an invitation into the body, right? I mean, it's a yeah, we're inviting you in. There, there. There's no adolescence in the family of God. Like if, if you're if you get baptized and you're a part of us, you're a part of us. Okay, yeah, okay, let's, you're brother and sister in Christ. Now let's go. Yeah, but that young, kind of, young brother and sister. But, yeah, exactly. That kind of speaks to what you were saying before. Sometimes we misunderstand baptism as the culmination of something rather than the, the start the of initiation. Something. Yeah, that's so, okay. This kicks something into gear. Now let's let's teach you. Yeah. To, to but then capitalizing it. on that initiation and saying, mm-hmm. okay. Man, we're excited, but when you're baptized, great. Now, now it begins. Yeah. Now, now this journey of Christ likeness, right, of becoming like Jesus and helping others to to become like Jesus, this is where it starts. Hmm. Yeah, there's an accountability that comes on the back end of baptism, but I think the teaching can also come beforehand. Oh yeah, right. Oh, I mean, yeah, you start teaching beforehand, and if someone somewhere along the way realizes, man, I want to give my allegiance to King Jesus and be identified accordingly, yeah. let's get him baptized. But, well, but teaching you, happens along the you way. Teach, you teach, you teach, you teach. Finally, it clicks where they want to, they're like, yeah. okay, I want to follow King Jesus. And then we teach and teach and teach. Yeah. And the reason I think we bring that up is because um, I think if you were to ask me 25 years ago, I would have said someone becomes a follower of Jesus and then we make disciples of them. Mm-hmm. And and I'm at a point now where I go, no, making disciples happens before they're a follower Amen. of Jesus, or it can, not always, but man, I can start teaching them to, to about what Jesus calls them to. And if at some point along the way, they become a follower of Jesus and they give their life to allegiance towards Jesus, great, let's get them baptized and, and we'll keep going on what yes. we already started. I, told, I think of evangelism is the initiating process of discipleship. Yes, right? I the, yeah. agree. The moment we begin to speak about the kingship of Jesus, we're already beckoning them yeah, to be a follower we are, of we are Jesus. teaching them to observe yeah. and yeah absolutely okay. so the other the other one I've seen and then I want to I want to shift over to teaching a little bit um is kind of what you brought up a little bit about um, one of your children when we were kind of in between this idea of perfectionism that I need to have it all together <laughs> do you want to speak to that just a little bit before we shift over to teaching because that's probably the one I run into the most of hey I'm not ready yet because yeah. I don't have everything together I long to follow Jesus but I don't have it all together yet to do this. You want to maybe yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's actually it's a like you said, it's something that's common, not just. But it's the most recent conversation I've had was yeah, the the hindrance to baptism was well, I don't have my crap together yet. Like I, I hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I want to get my house in order first. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, no, no. I mean, I think we've said it multiple times. It's baptism isn't the culminating work of the gospel in my life. It's like the front end of things. It's it's like, it's really just a public, and, and so just kind of reframing for people. No, 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 no. This is not a, like I remember Chris Hay years ago, I had one of my kids was wanting to get baptized. They were pretty young and I was a little bit jaded towards like young people getting baptized. And, and I remember asking this older guy, you know, who loves Jesus and just wisdom there. And I said, man, I'm wrestling as a dad. What do you do with the young kid who wants to get baptized? And he goes, well, do you want to be the one who prevents them from obeying Jesus? And I was like, oh, that's a good way to frame it. Yeah, when you frame it that way, it uh, No. And I go, but but Chris, what do you do if, what do you do if, you know, 10 years from now she realizes, hey, I wasn't even a follower of Jesus then, you know, but now I am and I want to get baptized. Like, was, was the first baptism, does it count? Does it not? And he goes, so if she realizes later that 
the first one wasn't legit, then baptize her again then. But don't worry about that now. In almost the same way with with someone who's struggling on the perfectionism side of going, what happens in 10 years if I make bad decisions and kind of start doubting the gospel? Welcome to the party. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, and it's like, okay, uh, but what's the trajectory of your life going to be like? Not, don't tell me where you think you're going to be 10 years from now. You know, it's like, hey, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. You're going to doubt. Okay, fail forward. Repent quickly. Mm-hmm. Love Jesus. And get baptized now because yeah. that's what King Jesus says to do. <laughs> okay, so let me let me shift this a little bit and we'll kind of finish with this as we, we pull this one together. It seems to be the other thing on teaching, especially I think when we've all grown up, is maturity was oftentimes identified with the intellectual information you could store up and maybe even process and and spew out, you know, mm-hmm. in different kinds of those that those that had that were very, very mature. Yeah. Now, when we've when we've talked about that idea of the, especially when we put together kind of our definition of what a disciple is, where definitely we want to be learning from Jesus. There's mm-hmm. a learning component that includes an intellectual endeavor, mm-hmm. uh, but then the, we, we adding to it that idea of trusting Jesus is a whole other realm. Becoming like Jesus now takes it to a new thing. But for us, we're equating maturity though within the capacity to turn around and help others to do the same. Right, mm-hmm. we're we we're we're wanting to make sure maturity isn't just an individualized kind of making it to a certain bar in certain ways, but actually it's that capacity and ability to turn around mm-hmm. and help others do the same. You want to speak to that really quickly? Yeah, I, kind of draw it to a close. I think again, it it's tied into when you talk about the disciple definition of learning from Jesus, trusting Jesus, becoming like Him, and helping do the others do the same. We just felt like, especially that 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 fourth part, helping others, is not an add-on, and it's not just a rinse and repeat kind of a thing. It's just we needed to make explicit what's what's implicit in the one before it. To become like Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's a maker of disciples. He is our teacher. What did he say in Luke 640? No disciples above his teacher, but every disciple when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. We will be like who? Our teacher, which means we will be engaged in teaching, discipling others. It's inherent in what it means to be a disciple. And again, this can be something as basic like you've talked about. The moment that you came to know Jesus, God opened your eyes to the gospel. You had the sermon on the loft with your roommates, right? Just immediately. It's like, it's the it's the man born blind in the book of John, right? He goes, look, whether this guy's a prophet or good or not, I don't know, but I was blind, now I see. How, do, how am I passing on what I do know of Jesus? And so it's also not this sense of you get your PhD and now you can teach others. But it's also not, well, whatever you know on day one is all you ever will know and pass on. It's just... It, it, it all it all goes together. Observing what Jesus has said and did, the whole manner of his life, who he is, what his word says, putting it into practice together with others, which includes the passing on, yeah. is not just the way we make disciples of others. It's inherent in what it means to be disciples ourselves. Yeah. And I think that target, especially when we were putting together the discipleship pathway, that was huge. Yeah. Like to... To, I think the target was generally Christ likeness in our mind, not passing it on, but like maybe morally looking like Jesus, yeah, yeah. or you know, not not cussing or chewing or doing things like that. But um, but now we're saying, well, no, like maturity actually, the picture of that looks differently than again. It, it includes all that, yeah, but it's more yeah. right in how we're we're trying to work that totally. out. It seemed like you got a thought. Well, no, I th- I think that idea of of following me as I followed Jesus. And actually inviting people into that. Mm-hmm. And, and my relationship with Jesus shouldn't just be an intellectual pursuit. There should be a doing component. There should. It's just all, everything you guys are saying, but yeah. it's going, 
no, if I, if Jesus truly is the King and I'm a follower of Jesus, then I should allow that to continue to transform all areas of my life. And I should be inviting other people into both speaking in and helping me understand how Jesus could be manifested or seen more in my life. And I should also be modeling for those behind me what that actually looks like. Yeah. Yeah, At some point, I'd love to have a conversation about, I think I used to think of discipleship as, you know, Barnabas, Paul, Timothy, where it was this linear reality, Mm -hmm. but all of us in this room know discipleship is such a corporate reality. So many different people have invested in us and we've invested in others, but we don't have time to talk about that. Super fun. Anyway, well, guys, thank you so much for for having this discussion. Uh, Thank you for those of you who listened. Uh, Started to hear more and more of you come up and say that you've just appreciated these discussions. So we're, yeah, we're glad that you're, you're joining along with us. So God bless you all. Don't forget in this whole idea of, of Beyond Sunday, our heart really is, is that you would know God's word, more importantly, know the God of God's word, and that you would then work it out and through your local, your local friendships that are part of a local church. So God bless you all, and we'll see you later. Bye.